You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org, where every Friday and Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we are enjoying fellowship and community, the Word of God at a a live stream, uh, internet-based church service, followed by internet-based moderated discussion groups. Folks, it's... uh, been a a wonderful journey that we've taken with the fireplace church and this year i'll tell you what we are looking to expand that platform to expand community to really really and enjoy well the potential for what we have built we want to invite you to be part of that i am so excited about 2017 i am calling it the year that we kick the devil's teeth in um that is my personal motto for this year. I plan to kick the devil's teeth in. I hope you want to kick the devil's teeth in. And so this year, we're going to make several strides towards that. Um, Here's what is exciting about 2017. This is what I have planned. One, I plan to do one conference per month throughout the entire year. That's the plan. And hopefully as the year goes on and we find that we have more and more support, more and more people interested, some of these conferences may end up being physical conferences. I, you know, We just need to grow to the place where it becomes reasonable and we can expect enough people to show up that getting a venue like a hotel or something like that and then um, hosting a conference is, is is realistic and we don't have to worry about going negative or uh, bankrupting you know, on, on the... Uh, on the execution. So 
I'll tell you what, we do have it on the agenda to have about one conference per month for the year. And, and the real heart that I have is to equip people. I am really interested in helping you kick the devil in the teeth and giving you the tools that you need to do it. Um, this month, we are going to be doing the Mysteries of the Human Spirit Conference with Dr. Rob Rucker. I'm really excited about this conference. At this conference, you are going to have the opportunity to get solid biblical teaching on the subject of the human spirit, on ministry to the human spirit. You're going to get examples. Um, you're, and, and we're going to go really deep. Folks, you're going to get to ask questions. This is where you know you get to have the opportunity to have the rubber meet the road, to um, really get a firm grasp of what the human spirit is, what ministry to the human spirit means. And I want to invite you to come. You have two options to sign up. You can sign up for just the Saturday only. That's going to be eight straight hours of teaching, well, with breaks for food, but eight hours of teaching on Saturday. And then uh, if you want the full conference, that will include a three to four hour Q&A yak session on Sunday where you guys will get to basically grill me and Dr. Rob Ruckert with all of your questions on whatever, really, uh, for, for about three to four hours straight. So um, we're, we're going to come ready. We hope that you come ready. I think it's going to be an amazing time, and it's going to be the weekend of January 21st and 22nd. So you can sign up at bridemovement.com. We have a sign up there also. Uh, we'll be sending out emails. We already have sent out at least one email to those that are on our email list. We really encourage you to sign up for that. Following that, in February, we will have another Advanced Spiritual Warfare number one conference. And in March, we'll be having an Advanced Spiritual Warfare number two conference. And uh, so for all of you that couldn't make it to the Advanced Spiritual Warfare number two, wrote us in say, are you guys going to do it again? The answer is yes. Look, uh, we're going to continue doing it because just like the Grace class, the In Christ class, the Spiritual Warfare class, the Kingdom class, these Advanced Spiritual Warfare weekend seminars are hugely important. I mean, and we want to continue to graduate people into the knowledge and into the uh, revelation that's contained in these messages because they are applicable, they're functional. So the first three conferences of this year are going to be those. At the end of March, I'm going to be in Australia for a week-long conference called uh, Dimensions of Design. Um, and me and Dr. Rob Ruckert are going to be in Adelaide for that so looking forward to that, and um, that's going to be with Pastor Paul Tothill and his church, and we're so grateful for them, and uh, you can expect to hear more from him this year as well. Uh, you know, he's an amazing and wonderful man of God, and um, also going to be doing a bit with uh, Todd Weatherly, another pastor in Adelaide, a Field of Dreams Church, also a, a guest on this program, amazing man of God, and uh, Daryl. Uh, one of his pastors, and um, I, I, you know, I, I just really am enjoying some of the fellowship that we have been getting into in Bride Ministries with powerful, powerful um, teachers and leaders. And you know, um, additionally, beyond that, folks, we we have other vision for this year. We are going to continue to make strides towards helping more survivors. Uh, we're we're now taking some more survivors off of our waiting list. Praise the Lord. So um, thank you for all of you that continue to support us. 
Um, and, and I'll tell you what, as we continue to bring in more support, we're going to be doing more. I do plan to launch the DID Coaching School at some point this year. It's going to be a huge project. It's not going to be in the earlier parts of the year. We have a lot of work to do on this thing. We have a lot of brainstorming to do on this thing. But I'll tell you what, I do think that in 2017, it is reasonable to see it go up in its first phases. Um, uh, we do plan to launch a type of prayer ministry this year because we get a lot of emails, guys, from those of you that say, you know, well, I just am really going through it and I would like someone to pray with me and there's no way that I can pray for everybody that's writing into us. I, I mean, um, I, I have two assistants, an executive assistant and an administrative assistant. We have uh, our coordinator for the Fireplace Church. I mean, this is not a one-man operation. We, I mean, we have a finance guy. We have all of uh, these coaches that we uh, network with and, uh, you know, our, our, our contractors with us. And, and also, of course, uh, Walter, who's our director of production and, and does all the Fireplace Church stuff. I mean, like, you know, we, we, we have a lot and we have a lot coming in. And, and so in order to give a platform for those of you that are true prayer warriors and really just want an opportunity to use your gift, um, we're going to try to create that platform where we uh, do create a training for uh, intercessory prayer and prayer ministry. Um, and, and then we can bring some of you that are interested on board and then release you to respond to some of the prayer requests that we're getting as a ministry and allow the body to minister to itself, you know, and and uh, we're really looking for that. So I'm looking to establish a type of prayer ministry this year, Bride Ministries. Now, you say, Daniel, that sounds really cool. How can I get involved in that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, any kind of volunteer opportunity that we offer Bride Ministries is going to come with the caveat. You need to be involved in at least one of our discipleship courses. That's the way we're re really getting to know people. Not only me, um, that, that's how others of our staff are getting to know people. Uh, people that know me and know our staff are getting to know people. It, we, we can't just network and release any kind of person that just writes us. We do have some um, <laughs> demands on us for stewardship. We do have to make sure that we are creating a safe place, networking with safe people as much as possible. Um, the challenge with being an internet ministry is that I do not see people face to face, but the reality is we're working with the same Holy Spirit that knows all hearts and knows all things. And I'll tell you, um, we're just trying to steward what we're working with in the best way possible. For now, any kind of volunteer opportunity, whether it be uh, being a moderator at the Fireplace Church or eventually being part of a prayer response team at, at this ministry, we will require that you have been part of one of our discipleship courses. And, and by the way, discipleship has just been amazing. Why wouldn't you want to be part of discipleship? We have gotten so many testimonies of people from those of you that have participated, um, you know, with every quarter, with every round of discipleship, signups continue to grow. And uh, many people are electing to take the classes a second time because they got so much out of it the first time. And the funny thing, every person that's ever come to me and said, Daniel, I took one of your classes a second time, has said, and the second time I got more out of it. It's just, it's just amazing. Because um, God is moving, and that's what's happening. People are being equipped. Paradigms are shifting. If you are on our email list, you are getting an email about discipleship courses. We want to encourage you to sign up. If you're not on our email list, I want to encourage you. Go to fireplacechurch.org. 
or bridemovement.com and sign up for our email list. And that way, when we go to do these conferences, go to do these uh, discipleship course signups and everything else, you can be in the loop. Um, in addition to that, hey guys, guess what? I am still a published author. I have books out, Noah's Ark and the End of Days, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. I want to encourage you. Those books are available. If you want deeper understanding on things that we talk around and get into and all of that, um, <laughs> grab those books. I am going to pause here. I don't want to run on and on and on, and I've been going on way too long, but it's the first of the year, and I had a lot to say. Sorry. Moving forward, we'll be cutting back to about four to five minute intros, but um, with that said, we're going to get into a really uh, essential conversation today. We're going to go deep, and, and we're going to be talking about freedom from human persecutors, something that many of you need. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. It's the new year. We're on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and I'll tell you what. I have a really, really, really important conversation to have with you today. And the Lord has had this on my heart for probably the past week, and I I knew that it was time for me to do this particular teaching. Now, for those of you that participated in what we call the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Conference Number 2, a few weeks ago in the month of December, you learned about what I call freedom from human persecutors. It was part of that particular conference, just one of five sessions. Um, But I'll tell you what, even just since that conference, I have had a lot of testimonies come back from this specific session, this specific prayer that we created as a resource for um, our participants. And of course, all of our resources, I use them all the time because I'm always on the front line of spiritual warfare, inner healing, getting people aligned with the finished work of Jesus Christ the way he designed us to be. And, and, And sometimes that requires what I call freedom, from human persecutors. And so th- this conversation was given. We had a ton of testimonies come back, and I said, you know what? 
All of my listeners, all of my listeners need to know this. Now, the challenge is that in explaining some of the things that go behind this particular prayer, I'm going to be having to go very deep, um, maybe deeper than you know some of my programs will typically go. But then again, we are just a, a mess. So anyway, uh, we're just going to go for it and. You know, one of the cool things about this year, 2017, is, is that God, God, when we were talking about it, he said, Daniel, it's time to just take off the, the restraints. My people are ready. And what, what that means is that the people that are tracking with me, that are called, you know, to, to higher things, to greater depths with the spirit of the Lord, with Jesus Christ, are ready to, to go further beyond the, the parameters of what has formerly been the, the stopping point, so to speak, of conversation. Some people will inevitably uh, not go there, and uh, that's always going to be true. So we're actually going to be going for it this year, folks. If you thought that last year was a lot of fun on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall and other things we did at Bride Ministries, just you wait for this year. And we're starting right here at Freedom from Human Persecutors. Now, with that said, I did a teaching on this program a while back, and it's called, um, I believe it's called Freedom from Principalities. I think that's what we entitled the program. I, I, I call that particular prayer now Freedom from you know Heavenly Powers or whatever have you. And, and it was a 10-point prayer that I presented in that teaching and have at other conferences and under different circumstances. In order to get set free from very, very high-level spiritual bondage, and in order to get free from human persecutors, I'll tell you what, honestly, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of overlap. So some of what I share today is actually going to sound, if you heard that program, a bit familiar. You say, oh, that reminds me of what he said in that other program, because the, the principles and the mechanics that go behind getting free of certain things are, are, are many times very similar. There are some differences uh, be, between getting free from human persecutors and getting free from these powers in the heavens. But many of you that listen to me have a problem with human persecutors. Uh, and I'm going to name some of the problems that, that go along with having a bondage involving human persecutors. Uh, sometimes with human persecutors, this will manifest as spirit wives or spirit husbands um, more straightforwardly you're gonna have this problem where you are continually getting harassed when you go to sleep in your dreams by the same person or persons uh, maybe getting pulled out of your body when you don't want to be out of your body because you know that's wrong and then having to have different kinds of relations sex rape with the same person and and you may know them in the natural or you may not uh, that is a type of human persecutor uh you may have overwhelming senses of fear around certain uh, family members maybe uncles or uh, aunts or grandparents or even your 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 physical parents if they were your primary abusers and no matter how much you try to get out of maybe a state of codependency or a state of fear or just that place where you are constantly being manipulated and controlled by this person you can't 
And it's like there's something inside of you that just won't let you be free of their manipulations. That's a type of human persecutor. Uh, other types of human persecutors can be harassment for what appear to you as dead ancestors. Many people have this problem. They're getting harassed constantly by dead ancestors. They're showing up in their dreams. They're showing up in their room. They're having, and we get all the reports, folks. So I don't want to hear any kind of, oh, well, you know, you know, that's not possible that people are getting harassed by dead ancestors. Look, there are things that appear to people. They look like dead ancestors. We get the reports. I know it's true. So y'all can just sit down. I am trying to help people get free of this problem. And I know the problems exist because I get told about them all the time. I'm, I'm always dealing with this, folks. And, and so there are different types of human persecutors that, uh, uh, have, uh, that exist, um, other types of human persecutors include if a person has been through mind control, they've been through programming. They're programmers. These individuals, whoever they were, they're, they're a type of abuser, but they can be present and, and continue to hold an ability to leverage control over that individual. Uh, and, 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 you know, because I deal with individuals that are highly programmed coming out of government-sponsored mind control projects and you know this kind of background satanic ritual abuse all the time i have to deal with a lot of human persecutors uh the people that are over the cults you know the the head witches or warlocks or whatever like th these are all people that get implicated in this conversation of human persecutors that are implicated in a network or web of control in an individual's life from the spirit realm and and getting them free of this can actually be quite a bear if one does not know what they are doing. And the, the reason why it can be a bear is because a lot of people don't even know the depth to which this conversation goes. Now, the body of Christ is familiar with something known as a soul tie. And, and, and that's where a lot of deliverance has kind of stopped. And anytime you hear about an unhealthy relationship be two be, between two two people. Um, ma many people that have read or researched uh, deliverance will often go to the soul tie conversation, and this actually comes from a passage in the Bible where David and Jonathan became very close. They, their, their fellowship went to a very deep place. Their friendship. No, they were not homosexuals. Uh, but th their friendship did go to a very deep place. And so the Bible says their souls were knit. And that's where we get the idea of a soul tie. First um, Samuel 18 verse 1 says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So, there's this idea that, you know, souls can be knit. And this is true. This is true. Um, and so w when people say maybe have a number of uh, relationships to go through a number of, you know, sexual partners or whatever, they, they, they come out of that oftentimes, all the time, with a number of soul ties because th those kinds of relationships will lead to a knitting of souls. And in order to be free, there are soul tie-breaking prayers where you repent for what you did, you confess what you did, you repent for it, uh, you renounce the sin, you uh, 
maybe forgive the person and you sever the soul tie. And a lot of people report getting a great deal of freedom from these types of prayers. But sometimes the uh, the depth of what's going on goes much deeper than just a uh, a soul tie, so to speak. And and this is what I found, right? And 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 this you get into when you really get into the conversation around dissociation. What is dissociation? Dissociation is where we separate ourselves from a piece of consciousness in a, in a sense. And and this happens in degrees. It happens along a continuum. You go everywhere from daydreaming to uh, highly fragmented, polyfragmented dissociative identity disorder. You know, it's all the same conversation. PTSD is on there. Bipolar is on there. Uh, depersonalization, derealization, all on there. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuum. There are different degrees of dissociation, different types of ways it manifests. Well, as you move down that dissociative list, you, you find that you have full splits of people's consciousness. And when we get into fragments of people, what I find is that, and I've it took me a while to figure this all out, but that you have different types of fragments. You have soul fragments. You have fragments that are a combination of both soul and spirit together. And these are what I would call your full-blown alters that are very strong and can switch and hold the body for extended periods of time. And, and then you have fragments of spirit because the spirit can actually be broken according to Psalm fifty one seventeen, which says that the, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These the Lord will not despise. That word broken for spirit is the word Shabar. It means to break or shatter in pieces. And so this can be applied to the spirit as well. So our, our, our creation exists as spirit, soul, and body. We are created that way. First Thessalonians 5, 23 says, May the God of all peace sanctify you wholly. That means God has a plan for the whole man. That your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many people, they have a shattered spirit and they have a shattered soul. And God said he came to bind up the brokenhearted. He wants to put it all back together in Psalm 51, 17, where it says, These the Lord will not despise. Look, God is not going to despise any person that comes to him in a broken state, whether their heart's broken, their spirit's broken. No matter the depths of your brokenness, Jesus Christ is standing there with open arms, waiting to receive you, to love you, to hold you, and to put you back together. And you know what? That's the God that I serve. And so... What happens, though, and, and, and coming back to why we talk about this with the human persecutors thing, when there is this degree of dissociation, what we have found is that parts can get deposited and swapped during times of traumatic incidences, uh, during rape sessions, during uh, high-level rituals, during different types of mind control experimentations. Um, you, you may have we'll just say Jack and uh, Jane and, and, and let's say Jack is the uh, abuser or programmer and Jane is the victim of that crime. Well, during the crime, Jack can actually, who, who would also be fragmented and dissociated because of the trauma he endured, have parts of him being deposited or left off in Jane. And, and, and Jane can have parts of her that are taken by Jack and, and locked up or uh, concealed. Now, 
this is actually getting into some pretty deep stuff. This is this is uh, very well higher level concepts and understanding of how uh, brokenness is maintained, how manipulation can be enforced upon others. But look, let me just say this: I find this all the time. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've found programmers that just did horrible things to my clients inside of my clients and things that we call internal worlds. Now, we're, we're going to get into some of the conversation about why that makes sense and how that in a minute, because I'm going to take you through the prayer. But what I'm saying is, uh, just, just on the front end, and just track with me here, let, let me fully explain myself. I want you free, okay? This is, <laughs> let's just pause here. Like, Daniel, you're getting a little weird. I don't care. I want you free. And if I have to be a little weird for you to get a revelation on how Jesus wants to set you free, I'll take an arrow for you. You know, um, I'm, I'm not worried about the enemy's fiery darts because I have a shield of faith. I want you free. And I want you to know how to be free. And I want you to know how to work with the Spirit of the Lord to get others free because God has an agenda that requires you to be free. It's called your destiny. So if I want you to be free, you know what that means? I want you to have access to your destiny. And you've been shut off from your destiny because you've been in bondage. You've been trapped. You've been stuck. And I think that in 2017, God plans to set a lot of you free from your state of stuckness. It's time for you to get out of that cycle of defeat and, and, and freedom from human persecutors for many of you, many more than you think. You, you may be listening to me now and you're like, man, I don't think I need that. The Spirit of the Lord saying, you do. And so, you know what? Just track with me here. I want you free and I want your destiny in Jesus' name. Now, when, when, when parts get swapped like that, this is what happens. Uh, that programmer can, through their parts that got swapped and deposited in Jane, continue to exercise negative influences against Jane throughout her life. <laughs> And 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 and, and it, it gets really bad. I mean, there are times where I've been working. I, I mean, uh, the 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 abuser can hack the body and actually come out and try to talk to the uh, coach or deliverance minister through the other person's body that they have access to in this degree or capacity. Um, this will also come with portal access points, maybe a throne on the inside. We'll get into some of that. But what I'm saying is at the very base level, you have parts swapped. You have people inside of other people because the soul fragments are getting scattered all over the place. And it, it, it creates these problems and people come under influences of human persecutors that are perpetual uh, they continually have affliction by because of this in dream states so on and so forth so what, I, what I'm saying to you is that this is actually very common this, this is way more common than you think and if a person has been through satanic rituals if they have been through government-sponsored mind control problems this is a guarantee that there is going to be fragments of other people that were involved in these events floating around inside of you and parts of you that are being held hostage by them. It, it's just the way it is. Um, and, you know, we, we did a mailbag conversation uh, a few weeks ago. Rob Ruckert was on there with me. And we were talking about some things. We were talking about things going on from, you know, beyond the grave, so to speak. And can influences occur uh, you know, involving people whose physical bodies have died 
And, and, and well, the answer is yes, it can. As a matter of fact, I have found many people in bondage because of things that are, are going on with ancestors that have already passed away. Um, even parents, let's say the parent was a primary abuser. The dad's dead, but their dad is still showing up and persecuting them in dreams. And it's like really weird. Or maybe a, a, a former wife that passed away, but like the, the, you, the, the, the feelings and emotions of that relationship still continue to abide in the person as though that individual were alive, even though they're gone. And it's like, but you know, the relationship was unhealthy in the first place. It was abusive. It was this, it was that. Why won't this leave? Well, here's the thing. Like I was saying, soul parts, these fragments can get swapped during all kinds of different events when people are dissociated. And and if a person's physical body dies and the majority of them goes off wherever, uh, what we have found is that the fragments can stick around if they're in different types of prisons. And those prisons can include uh, different realms of the spirit or other people. And, and we're going to get into that in a, in a, in a little bit. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. Let me just say this, okay? Death is the moment that our spirit leaves our body. I mean, we, we, that our spirit loses the anchor that is our body on this plane and we have to go. Uh, but the judgment is the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20. Th that is a way ways down the road. There's a lot of gray area between these two events. There's a lot of strangeness that occurs because of this weirdness. Ideally, people will go to heaven or hell when their physical body dies. Realistically, weirdness is happening. So we're sorting it out. We have to often take people um, and, and, and have the angels of the Lord take them where they belong. And um, so anyway, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is I want you free. So, so we're going to get into the prayer. We're going to talk about some of the things I'm, a little, I'm skipping over a little bit. But at the end of the day, what I'm going to put in your hands is a tool that is very, very effective. I mean, I'm telling you, the testimonies I have already gotten from this prayer have been substantial. They, they have been very, very encouraging. People are excited, folks, because they are getting set free of stuff that they have been bound by for years. And no matter how many prayers they've said or no matter how many deliverances they've sought, it just hasn't broke it because, well, the, the, the revelation just hasn't gone deep enough to hit the root of the issues they're facing. And I'm telling you, we're hitting the root of the issues you're facing, so track with me. Now, um, I, 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 I'll tell you the truth going into this. What I have found is that sometimes when you have human persecutors uh, afflicting a person, the, 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 the control that they exercise over that person can be ex more excessive than even uh, demonic influences or influences from heavenly powers. I, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I'm very, very serious when I say this. Some of the most intense battles have occurred over primary abusers inside of a person that I am having to have the angels of the Lord remove even more than say going to battle with someone like Molech or Poseidon I mean it it's just 
the way it is. Th- these be- can be very, very intense battles. And uh, that, that that's um, alleviated, if you know what you're doing, quite a bit. Because if, if you know what you're doing going in, it's not really a battle. It's just a, a legal proceeding, so to speak. And uh, then you're done. So, uh, like I said, some of these can be primary abusers in a person's life. Some of these can be uh, spirit wives or spirit husbands. Some of these can be... Um, controllers, handlers, programmers, um, family members—all of, all of this uh, can can uh, be the types of human persecutors that a person will have to be free from if they truly want to be unhindered and unencumbered in their lives. Now, things get really confusing if you get into higher levels of stuff, uh, particularly anything having to deal with Illuminati level. Uh, Bondage, or beneath that, some of the higher level cults associated with the New World Order and globalists and all that. They, they really go to great lengths to make sure that people don't get set free. And so, one of the things we found that they do is they, they like, let's say you have Jack and, and, and Jane, the abuser and the uh, person being victimized. Uh, what they will do in the spirit is, let's say, during that. Uh, session or maybe before or after it, they'll have spirits take parts or fragments out of Jack and out of Jane, and they will take them to other realms. Now, where do you get other realms from in the Bible, Daniel? They're called heavenly places. There's all kinds of heavenly places. There are heavenly places that belong to God because the Bible says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there are heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and there are heavenly places that are not in Christ Jesus, because the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. So there are good heavenly places and evil heavenly places. These are realms. And they can take parts of people, um, say, out of Jack and out of Jane to one of these realms and and what they've put in these realms are laboratories they've put dungeons they've put prisons they've put uh you know all kinds of things exist there they have large spacecraft and I mean really interesting stuff that we get into I I you know I, I I've run into large cosmic artificial intelligences um <laughs> oh my goodness it gets so fun so anyway but they have laboratories I mean as a matter of fact, I've had people on this program talk about it. And many of the quote-unquote, you could say, Illuminati laboratories actually exist in other realms. They, they don't even put them on the physical 3D Earth because it's uh, easier for them to do what they're doing that way. So they'll take people to these places. And then the, the, you, you have this soul matter or whatever, these parts of people that have been captured. And they will do this thing where they cut the the souls in pieces in their laboratories or whatever have you, and then they'll recombine them. So let's say I have Jack and, and Jane, and I have these parts of Jack and these parts of Jane. They'll take them to the laboratory. They'll cut Jane in half. They'll, they'll cut Jack in half, their, their soul parts, fragments, and put Jane and Jack together and stitch it together. With a cord that binds, I had a 
that, that's another story about how that one was figured out. But uh, they'll use a cord that binds and put Jack and Jane together and then put Jack and Jane combo. It's, it's, I call it a composite back into Jane. So now if a deliverance minister or person does not know what they're doing, they will realize there is a soul tie between Jack and Jane. They will try to sever the soul tie. It doesn't work. Jack's still there. They'll try to kick Jack out. Jack may even manifest. It may go into a very intense spiritual warfare situation with all kinds of uh, physical manifestation in Jane's body because now they're in a deliverance session or some kind of thing. Jack won't leave. And it's really tough because it's like, how can this get resolved? This is a really, really tough battle. And what we haven't realized as the body of Christ is that we're actually working with pieces that have been synthesized and uh, recombined in other realms for reinsertion so the bondages can be maintained <laughs> just in case the person ran across somebody that halfway knew what they were doing. So, uh, I mean, this is just, it, it really boggles the mind to think how diabolical the, the evil powers are in, in what they do. But th this, this is just the, the, the reality of the matter. When I'm separating people from other people, primary abuse, especially at the top levels of stuff, I always have to specifically address the composite parts, <laughs> the parts that are, you know, part Jane and part Jack, but combined as one, you could call it an altar, you could call it a fragment, because this is the thing, when that is present in Jane, I cannot kick Jack out without also kicking out part of Jane. So it's an anchor. But that is actually Jack and Jane manifested as one part or one person inside of Jane. It's a very, very tough um, problem. And, and and But if you know that that's what you're going to run up with in advance of getting to this issue, <laughs> you go move right through it. Because you can cut the cord that binds and separate out the component parts and have them all taken where they belong. You're done. And guess what? The prayer for freedom from human persecutors actually includes the language to get this done so you will have it being performed by the angels of the Lord and you don't even have to know why this is happening. You just say the prayer, which is why I have made this prayer and why I'm now making it available for anyone to download for free at the bridemovement.com website. It's going to be on our prayer resources page. It's going to be called Freedom from Human Persecutors. You can download this prayer that really has all the language already spelled out that will take into account all of these different mechanics and principles I'm talking to you about that you don't have to figure out for yourself. Why? Because I want you free. Jesus wants you free because we want you to have a destiny in him that bears great fruit in the earth. And it's time for the body of Christ to be unhindered and unencumbered by this nonsense. So, okay, moving on. Uh, I'm going to get get into uh the prayer i, I mean I, I could go on and on about like different examples and uh even 
personal testimony from all the things I've seen, but you know, we've already going 30 minutes. I haven't even shown you the prayer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the prayer on this uh, program and I'm going to substitute uh, so-and-so for every blank. Really, you'll be putting the person's name there, you know, so if you are Jane and your primary abuser was Jack, you're going to say Jack. I'm going to say so-and-so because uh, we're just going to keep it nice and simple. So the prayer reads this way. Father in heaven, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and I renounce so-and-so and serve him a bill of divorce. I pull up the hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, and oath entangling us and command that they be stamped with the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your heavenly host would be put on assignment to place every altar or part in me that is loyal to so-and-so on temporary lockdown. And I pray that those parts would be put to sleep. I now deed so-and-so's territory in me over to the kingdom of God, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and begin to rule this territory with your rod of iron. In the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point belonging to so-and-so, his realm, and his inheritance. I place the blood of Jesus upon every portal access point, and I seal them with the Holy Spirit. I declare that they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated from this day forward. I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I cut myself free from so-and-so, his realm, or her realm, and uh, his inheritance, in Jesus' name. I return every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, power, pride, favors, seed, and any other form of counterfeit inheritance, in Jesus' name. I refuse it and sever myself from it, and from this day forward, I choose to receive my inheritance in Jesus Christ. I renounce all spirit children related to so-and-so and undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. I command their judgment and the purging of the realms they occupy by judgment through living water. I also reclaim every part of me that has been imprisoned by so-and-so or in realms related to him. I release forgiveness by faith to so-and-so for the evil that he has done against me. I also discover every part that is a composite of genetic components held together by a cord that binds. I declare that the cords are cut and that each part is separated into its components. I retain my parts and surrender those that do not belong to me. I appeal to justice according to Galatians 6-7, which declares that as a man sows, so shall he reap. I declare that your word says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I turn him over to you, Lord God. I command your heavenly host to bind every part of so-and-so in me and take him or her where they belong now. I now take authority over every evil spirit on the inside of me and around me that has been operating under the authority of so-and-so. I declare that you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out of me for judgment. I declare that you are being sent to the abyss or to where the Lord Jesus sends you for failed assignment. Lastly, I pray that every ungodly spiritual object, tattoo, device, label, marker, power source, grid, or branding placed in or around every part of me by so-and-so or those under his authority would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. Amen. Now, folks, that's 
the prayer. And I'll tell you, you don't need to necessarily agree with me on everything I'm explaining to you in order to use this prayer and be set free anyway. I'm just telling you the prayer works, okay? Uh, the, the prayer works. It works. I have a lot of testimonies. I, when I released the freedom from principality and, and the freedom from heavenly powers prayer, I mean, the testimonies poured in. People are getting set free all over. Coaches, counselors, ministers, they're, they've gotten their hands on this prayer. They're using it. People are getting set free all over the place. It, it's really amazing. I'm actually believing God that this thing, you know, it gets translated into many languages. It goes international. People just get it all, you know, all over the world and just start setting people free of the heavenly powers because it's, it works. You know what else works? This works. This works. So you could disagree with me on everything I say. And please, even if you do, just get the prayer in your hands. Ask the Holy Spirit, who are my human persecutors? Plug and play. Put their name in the prayer. Go through the prayer and watch the Spirit of the Lord set you free. That's all I want. That's all I want. But I'm still going to give you the reason why the prayer was written. Because if it works, it must work for some reason. So we're going to come back now. And I am going to give you my understanding of why this prayer works. Now, uh, again, this is going to get into a lot of uh, similar principles as what I described in my program on Freedom from Heavenly Powers. And I'm going to kind of cruise. You may need to listen to this program a number of times. I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. It's a lot. But, you know, when the, when the prayer starts, point number one, Basically, you're using this language. I um, renounce so-and-so and serve him a bill of divorce. I pull up the hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, and oath entangling us and command that they be stamped with the blood of Jesus. Now, the idea is that you are renouncing them as a spiritual overlord, controller, um, any kind of ungodly connection between you and another person is going to be addressed with this language, the renunciation and the bill of divorce. You know, I pulled the same language from the heavenly power prayer and I explained that, look, God, Jehovah, God entered into covenant with the nation of Israel and in the spirit, he was their husband. I mean, he that, and that's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 3, 8, Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. So you're not going to divorce someone that's not your wife. Je Jehovah God divorced Israel. In, in Jer Jeremiah 3, 8, I mean, says that. It's point blank, straightforward. So in the spirit, marriages can occur between spirits. And so if Jehovah God can be married to nation, that's people humans. Um, heavenly powers can be married to people. And in the spirit, spirit husbands, spirit wives, uh, different kinds of relationships can be engaged in the spirit. And um, we only need one husband in the spirit, guys. And that's Jesus. We're betrothed to him. Everything else, they could go. Um, and, and so this language is, uh, it, it speaks to that idea. You, you can divorce yourself from your spirit husbands, from your abusers, your programmers. 
and you, you renounce them. This legal language is very effective because it's what's going on in the spirit. Um, now, the next point that's really, really key is that you are going to pull up hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, and oath entangling you. Now, pulling up hidden documents is a shorthand way of dealing with secret covenants, contracts, and or oaths that may exist between two persons. So uh, this saves actually a lot of time because instead of going through an extremely laborious task of attempting to get the yourself or maybe if you're working with someone like as a coach or a deliverance minister, the person you are working with to remember how an agreement was made between them and a primary abuser or them and a handler or them and a whatever have you. Um, I mean, because some of these agreements occur in very traumatic moments, in rituals, in experiments, in other realms at times. It, they don't even have a memory that they can pull from the physical 3D world. They actually have to have a dissociated part of them that was present in another realm for a ritual or event that occurred there to come to the surface and give you the information about them. I mean, and this stuff gets really complex. But if you know the language and the shortcuts, you don't have to deal with any of that. You can circumvent it and just go straight for, you know, <laughs> the jugular, so to speak. When you pull up the hidden documents, it all comes up. This is a legal procedure. And uh, you don't have to get the individual revelation um, through an extremely laborious counseling session, so to speak. Coaching session, so to speak. Um, it's done based on the legalities of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, this is what the Bible says. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Now, now check this out, okay? Um, the phrase, handwriting of requirements is translated from the Greek phrase chirographon dogma. Chirographon means anything written by hand, but can more specifically apply to a legal document, bond, or note of debt. Dogma refers to decrees, laws, or ordinances, and in this context means a body of beliefs or practices that have become the guidelines governing a person's conduct or way of life. So think about this, okay? Every legal document, bond, or note of debt that has become the belief or practices that are the guidelines governing your life related to this person or this torment or this afflictor are now being taken away and nailed to the cross when you apply your faith to the finished work of Jesus Christ. This language activates the finished work of Jesus Christ to manifest in your present moment. So when you pull up the hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, and oath entangling you and command that they be stamped with the blood of Jesus, they are being stamped with the blood of Jesus. And those guidelines that governed your life in a, and, and kept it in a position of debt to the legal documents and bonds that were established in the spirit between you and your afflictor, your human persecutors. 
are now being addressed by the power of the blood of Jesus. That's powerful. And um, so that's why the language. But this isn't the end of the prayer. I mean, you know, we're, we're just getting started. This won't get the whole job done. This is a 10-point prayer. This is point number one. Point number two, it goes on. It says, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your heavenly host would be put on assignment to place every altar, a part of me that is loyal to so-and-so on temporary lockdown. I pray that those parts would be put to sleep. Let me tell you, if you've been in a codependent relationship and you are dissociated, you have parts in you that are extremely loyal to the people that you are codependent with, to abusers. And, to, you know, when you have that family member that always manipulates you into doing whatever they want and you can never be free of that grip of control, the reason why many times is because there are parts of you that are on the inside and they're literally surrendering you to the control. You have to fight yourself. And sometimes those parts can form a majority of internal agreement. And it's just like, no matter what, I'm just going to end up getting manipulated into whatever these uh, people want because that, that response in me is so strong. Um, so the, this part of the prayer is designed to circumvent that during the process of getting free. In other words, you are putting them to sleep based on a principle that in Scripture, uh, putting anything to sleep renders it incapable of functioning or performing its intended job. So if there are parts of you that are extremely loyal to a human persecutor, to a spirit husband or a spirit wife, to a handler or a programmer, here's the thing. The Bible says in Isaiah 29.10, For the Lord has poured out the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. See, when God puts something to sleep, it renders it incapable of doing its job. So the parts of us that are on the inside that are doing the job of keeping us in bondage to human persecutors will now be put to sleep so that they can't get in the way. Many deliverance sessions are sabotaged by internal agreements being reinforced by parts of the person that are not at the surface. And so the deliverance minister, unbeknownst to them, they're not actually fighting the strength of the demon or even the human persecutor they're coming up against, or the heavenly power. They're not fighting the strength of those guys. They're fighting the strength of the agreement of the person they are trying to get free. And the strongest resistance is always going to come from a person's internal agreement to not be free. More than the power of the demon or whatever it is. In this case, the human persecutors. Because... The, the thing is, um, we are the stewards of our own temple. And God, God honors free will. And, 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 and free will can be exercised by dissociated parts of us if we are dissociated. So you can have different wills going on within the same person if their parts are in disagreement. <laughs> and this is why this part of the prayer... Because, you know, the powers of darkness cheat. They're cheaters. They cheat because they traumatize parts and get them to agree with unhealthy things. And, 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 and through that, they prevent the person that really means well and wants to be free from getting free because they hide all of the agreements to be in darkness and retain their bondages behind amnesic walls, barriers, and dissociation. It's actually hidden. They're cheaters. 
They've cheated you out of your freedom for years. You haven't even known what's been going on. Praise God, they cheat. But God has strategies and solutions from heaven that can override their cheating. It's called the trump card. <laughs> so you trump it. You just put them to sleep. It doesn't matter whether they're behind an amnesic wall or not. You put them to sleep anyway. The language of the prayer does the homework for you, right? And so with much of the resistance addressed, you can move further in the prayer and, and, and you're not really battling uh, internal agreements with the maintenance of bondage. You're just battling the bondage itself. So you move on to point number three. And I, you know, guys, I mean, I, I could really take time to draw this out uh, a lot. But you know, we'd be here for a long time. I'm um, kind of just going to cruise through the explanation of this prayer. And then give you a few more examples on the back end. Um, and, and, you know, if you want more, let me tell you what. We are doing the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Conferences regularly. As a matter of fact, in the year of 2017, God has put it on my heart to do conferences just about once a month. Um, in the month of January, we'll, we'll be doing the Mysteries of the Human Spirit Conference with Dr. Rob Ruckert. In February, we'll be doing Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number 1, that conference again. Uh, in, in March, we'll be doing Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number 2 again. The Advanced Spiritual Warfare Number 2 you will um, have this in addition to five other uh, <laughs> um, modules throughout the day. Uh, so many tools are, are being given in these conferences because I, I really see God moving to equip people this year. He is sick and tired of the nonsense and he wants people equipped. Plain and simple. So we're trying to do it. Um, so if you want more, you can always get in on that conference. Um, we do limit the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Conferences to those that have participated in Bride Ministries Discipleship. So if you haven't participated in Bride Ministries Discipleship, I want to encourage you, get on board with that. We have four classes, Grace in Christ, the Kingdom of Spiritual Warfare. Every single one of them will revolutionize your walk with God. And as long as you're either enrolled or have enrolled in the past, the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Conferences are open to you. Um, where you can get you know further training on this and other subjects that you are just going to have a revolution from. So anyway, with that said, um, moving to point number three, it says, I now deed so-and-so's territory in me over to the kingdom of God, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and to begin to rule this territory with your rod of iron. Now, this gets into territory. And this this is where you, you begin to understand. Okay, Daniel, I do not understand why part of Jack can be in Jane. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. First of all, where would Jack go in Jane? Would it be in the physical body, in the soul, in the spirit? What, like, how does that make any sense? I, I, I don't believe or I don't agree that humans can be in other humans or that fragments of this can be over here. That, can you explain it to me biblically? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I can. Thank you. And so <clears throat> I'm going to right now. And the, 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 the reality is that we actually have not understood the heart. Because the heart has basically been just, it's been a complicated conversation, right? So 
let's start here. The Bible says that we have been created in three parts, a spirit, soul, and body. And of course, I go into great depth in this in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. So if you want an even more in-depth conversation on all this, please pick up that book. It's, the, you know, I, I think the ebook is like 10 bucks. Uh, the printed copy is a little bit more than that, but then you have a physical copy in your hands. Um, it goes into a lot of deep teaching on how to differentiate soul, spirit, and, and where the heart fits into all of that. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I have other podcasts where I've gone into that subject in, in a good amount of depth to extrapolate it from original language um, and, and from all the different verse references in the Bible. But the idea is that we are created spirit, soul, and body. But the Bible does say that uh, the sword of the spirit is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the word of God. Um, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, we see that there is spirit, there is soul, and there is heart. Spirit comes from the Greek word um, pneuma. Uh, soul comes from a, a different Greek word. It's not pneuma. It's um, whatever it is. And then the word heart comes from the Greek word cardia. And so uh, when we look at the original language, we see that we're actually dealing with three different words, referring to three different things. You know, some people have said, well, the soul is a heart. Uh, some people have said the spirit is a heart. I say the heart is the lowest part of the soul overlapping upon the spirit and is a gate between the two components of our design. And in that, it becomes a territory. So when Jesus goes to explain the parable of the sower, and, and, and here's a parable of the sower. A sower goes out to sow, and he takes seed and he sows it on wayside ground, thorny ground, stony ground, and good ground. The wayside ground does not grow any crop because the birds come devour the seed. The stony ground and good ground, or, or stony ground and thorny ground, do yield some growth, but then it's destroyed for different reasons. And the good ground actually grows a harvest of a crop. And 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 so then Jesus goes to explain that parable in Matthew thirteen eighteen through twenty three, and he says this. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Stop there. This is the key. When you realize that the ground that is being referenced or the types of ground being referenced in the parable of the sower is a reference to heart conditions, you get a key. See, Jesus is actually explaining that the heart is a territory, right? Because you need a plot of land in order to plant a farm. That's, that, that's wide open space. It's a plot of land. So the, the, the heart is, not, is a lot more than an organ. In the Bible, God says man looks upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. There's something very significant about the heart because the Bible says a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For the issues of life flow from the heart. So guard your heart with all diligence. You know, 
that, that's Proverbs 4.23. Like, so, so there's all these passages about the heart. Here, we see that the seed, the word of the kingdom is being sown into our heart. That's territory. It's a territory where programs are established that are belief systems in our lives. Now, let's extrapolate this a little bit and think. Where do our belief systems abide in us? Well, if you look at what modern psychologists have figured out, and also you know myself and the Bible, you, you, you will see that there are different levels of consciousness. There, there's the conscious mind, subconscious mind, and what some people call the superconscious mind. In my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm, I explain that the soul is basically uh, the realm of the conscious mind. Mind, will, emotions, that's how you engage life out of your body. But in the deeper levels of the soul, you do run into what's known as the subconscious mind. That's synonymous with the heart. And guess what happens in the subconscious mind? That's where all of your belief systems reside. This is why when a person gets on a diving board and goes to jump in the water, they will think in their mind, jump, but their body will stay on the diving board and they go nowhere. The subconscious mind is having conflict because there's fear programming in the subconscious mind. What if I drown? What if a shark eats me? What if I freeze to death? You know, all these thoughts are going on in the subconscious mind. The conscious mind thinks jump, but that's not what a person lives out of, right? I can go to a person and say, you look amazing today. You look gorgeous. The person can say, you're a liar. And I may actually think the person actually has a great haircut. <laughs> like, yeah, you look great. But because there's a program running in their subconscious that says, you're ugly, you're fat, you're disgusting, and no one likes you, uh, that may be their internal programming, that's their inner, inner dialogue, they can't literally, they literally cannot receive my communication as genuine because of what's going on inside of them. That is a subconscious process. That's a heart issue. Now, check this out, right? The heart is a territory that is occupied. And so God tries to sow the word of the kingdom into our hearts. But other things can be in our hearts. The devourer can be in our hearts. The birds eat the word of the kingdom, so it can't even take root. Thorns can be in our heart. Rocks can be in our heart. Or our heart can be good ground. The mystery of the parable of the sower is that the one determining our heart condition is actually us. Because we can have stony ground and thorny ground and wayside ground, turn to Jesus and say, Lord, change my heart. And then God can do a work in our hearts and we can become good ground that we can yield a great harvest of fruit unto his kingdom. Now watch this, right? So we're talking about spiritual concepts, but I'm building out of a revelation that's extremely biblical so I can explain to you why Jack can be inside of Jane. Um, so, so the Bible says, the, the, the uh, wicked one comes to snatch away what was sown in his heart. This is who received seed by the wayside. Um, Jesus goes on and, and, and describes what happens when the seed is received in other places. Um, the one who had it on the wayside, uh, the, the stony places, uh, he hears the word and receives it with joy but has no root. So he endures for a while, but immediately when tribulation or persecution comes, he stumbles. With the thorns, the, the, the seed is choked out by the cares of this world. But with the good ground, um, it produces fruit. Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. If our heart is a field, guys, our heart contains territory that can be occupied. Um, and, and this is the mystery, right? 
because that word of the kingdom is going in even if the thorns are present. In other words, Jesus is not the only person occupying our hearts even after we're saved. And some people think, well, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. They, they actually say that language during a salvation prayer. They think that that automatically means Jesus occupies their whole heart. They may even think that their heart is their spirit. It's synonymous. Well, the heart does overlap upon the spirit. Romans chapter 2 discusses he is not a Jew who is one outwardly of the circumcision of the flesh, but he that is a Jew is one inward of the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. It actually does say cardia and pneuma, heart in the spirit. But the heart is overlapped upon the spirit. It's not the whole spirit. It's not synonymous with the spirit. It's actually the subconscious, the lowest regions of the soul overlapping upon the spirit. And so when you realize that and you realize, wait a minute, what's going on in my heart? I have fear programming. I have self-hatred programming. I have, um, and, and you don't need to be a dissociated individual having gone through satanic ritual abuse to have fear programming. <laughs> Many Christians have this. Just normal people. Self-destruct programming, self-sabotage programming, self-hate programming. You know, you don't need to be dissociated to have this going on in your heart, but it is accentuated when a person is dissociated because guess where their altars live? Their altars are going to live in the subconscious. That's where internal worlds manifest because it's a territory to be occupied. So when a person is programmed, and let's say they do Wizard of Oz programming, build a yellow brick road and do this, that, that primary existence of that is in the region of them known as their subconscious. It's in the heart. That's the lowest area of the soul overlapping upon the spirit. So internal worlds function according to both you know, uh, soul and spirit principles. It's like an overlap. So angels can show up in there and people can actually watch angels delivering their parts actively and destroying internal worlds once they've been rendered useless because the finished work of Jesus Christ is being employed in their lives. They're getting set free of this stuff. So, you know, we, we see all kinds of things when we get into, uh, you know, doing the work with the survivors and all that. I'm, I'm not here to describe all of that. What I'm here to tell you is that in, these, in, in this region called the heart. It is a territory that can be occupied. And that's what we need to understand. So when uh, Jack is doing all these trauma things and, and there's an exchange of parts, those parts can be brought into the subconscious, into that territory where parts of Jane are also occupying that territory, into you know what may manifest as internal worlds in that territory. And they will remain there until they are taken where they belong. The heart contains territory that can be occupied. Here's some more explanation on that principle. Um, the only parts of our heart that Jesus lords over are the parts of our hearts that are turned over to him. Colossians 2.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, blah, 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 blah. Colossians 2.17. Paul wrote Colossians 2.17 to Christians. He said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. This means that Christians may not have Jesus dwelling in their hearts. Not fully, because you may have a part of your heart surrendered to Jesus, right? Maybe you have the church part of your heart surrendered to Jesus. I go to church and I worship Jesus on Sunday mornings or whatever you go to church, right? If you go to the fireplace church, it's Friday night, Sunday night. But then there's that other part of your heart that surrendered to something else. 
Alcoholism. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I have not surrendered that part of my heart to Jesus yet. So what's dwelling in that part of your heart? <laughs> Alcoholism. Guess who has access to that part of your heart? Alcohol demons. Um, so people can have all kinds of things going on in their heart. And Jesus may have access to some of it, but he won't have access to all of it. Paul's praying, like, make Christ dwell in your heart by faith. See, God's goal is to have the whole thing. He wants the whole heart. All of us. And uh, that's a journey. Oh, folks, it is a journey to walk out giving our hearts over to Jesus in fullness. We, we get saved at a point in time, but then we begin a journey of sanctification whereby we are being uh, set apart for God in ever-increasing degrees. And that is a process of turning over more and more of our lives, more and more of what's in our hearts over to Him. Eventually, we have to turn over that fear programming to Him, that self-hatred programming to Him, that hatred of others programming to Him, all of that. This is a journey that we all take. It, it, and the interesting thing is that you're having the same conversation whether you're dissociated or not. I don't need to uh, get into, uh, you know... Uh, psychiatric philosophies on dissociation to explain to you what's going on with the heart and how that affects both people that are dissociated and you, or if you're not, you know, this, this is the same thing. But at the bottom line, this is the revelation. The heart is territory to be occupied. Um, when I was going through the Freedom from Principalities, I was explaining, look, if you are in a covenant with Molech or with Mammon, Mammon's going to have a territory in your heart where he has a throne. And until that territory of your heart is surrendered over to Jesus, deeded over to the kingdom of God, Mammon's going to have that place to occupy. Jesus wants it, Mammon has it, and you got to tell Mammon, look, I'm deeding your throne over to Jesus, now Jesus come in and take it from him. <laughs> and that's where Jesus then can work through, you know, the uh, the rule book, right? Because God set rules in place that govern his his works in our lives. And, and one of God's main rules is the rule of free will. Because it's your heart, your life, and your ability to give part of your heart and keep part of your heart under the jurisdiction of mammon is your call. But the moment that you make the call to give it over to Jesus, then he can take it. But guess what? We're talking about freedom from human persecutors. Because when there are primary control agents that are human that have lorded over your life, they'll have peace of your heart. They'll actually have a piece of your heart that they can occupy as their territory. They can be the devourer that eats the seed of the kingdom. They say, yeah, you're not going to do what Jesus says. You're going to do what I say. And you do. You've been doing it for years. I'm telling you it's time to get set free. So you're going to deed their territory over to the kingdom of God. You're going to invite Jesus to take any thrones they may have in there and to rule that territory with his rod of iron. Um, I could go deeper in this. But I'm just going to, you know, pause there. There is another level to this and that spirits are realms as well. Like you have the, the, the heart component, which is a subconscious overlay upon the spirit. And then you have the spirit component um, and, and spirits are realms. And, 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 and so there can be some funny stuff that goes on even on that level. Uh, but let's just make it simple. Because the heart is territory, you can look at your heart as a house. And in that house, you're going to have several rooms. Some of those rooms you may give Jesus the key to. The rest of the rooms, he's knocking on the door. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. And he who opens unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him. Not all of the doors of your heart are open to Jesus. And Jane may have a door that belongs to Jack. 
And Jesus is standing at the door knocking, saying, He who opens unto me, I will come in and sup with him. But that door is locked to Jesus because Jack is occupying. And you haven't opened that door to Jesus and told the uh, you know angels of the Lord, take Jack where he belongs because this, this door and this room, this area of my heart now belongs to Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do with this prayer. Um, so... Moving on from that point, now point number four says, you know, in the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point belonging to so-and-so, his realm and his inheritance. Uh, we can do kind of points four through six all at the same time. I place the blood of Jesus upon every portal access point and I seal them with the Holy Spirit. I declare they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated from this day forward. I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and I cut myself free from so-and-so, his realm and his inheritance in Jesus' name. Now, 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 this is the thing, right? Why do you use the word portal access point? What is a portal? Well, a portal is a door, a gate, or an, a an entryway. That's what a portal is. The Bible says that we are gates. It actually calls us gates in the book of Psalms. Because we're doors, we're portals, we, that's our design. As a matter of fact, you can look at this from the temple standpoint and say that, look, in the Old Testament, God had Israel build a temple where God would abide with man. And in the temple, they had the Holy of Holies, where the divine presence manifested above the cherubim that were, you know, that, that the cherubim were built into the mercy seat that set atop the Ark of the Covenant. And so that was God's interface point between heaven and earth. The temple was designed to be a door or access point between heaven and earth through which God manifested. So you have spirit manifesting to natural through the door that is the temple or the gate or the portal. Well, we are temples of God, right? So we are actually designed with portal capacity because we are here to quote unquote portal and give Jesus, give the Holy Spirit an access point to this world. So the Bible says that we're his hands and feet. So you don't have to really get too strange or weird with this. We're designed to be God's access point to the earth, which is why I can be Jesus to my neighbor. So Jesus says, you know, well, give your neighbor a loaf of bread. That's actually Jesus giving my neighbor a loaf of bread, but he's using me to do it. Jesus says, pray for your neighbor so that he can be healed. Jesus is actually healing my neighbor, but he's working through me to get him healed. You see, so, so we end up co-laboring with Jesus. That's the whole idea of yoking ourselves together with him. Co-laborers, right? We are a portal to God. But see, because we can portal with God, that can be hacked, sabotaged, pirated, you name it, it can be done because design, well, is design. So when we get into all kinds of entanglements with dark powers, evil things, human persecutors, we become portals and, 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 and portals that begin to exist between us and them. There becomes exchange. There becomes trade. It, it, it's a mess. And so the idea is we're going to cut all that off. So when there are uh, portals or ties or cords between us and another person that's exercising you know, influences over us that are ungodly, unhealthy, uh, based on w whatever you know, evil they're, they're doing... Uh, those will be guarded by gatekeepers just like uh, portals to heavenly powers that, you know, manipulate us will be guarded by gatekeepers. These could be demons, uh, 
altars if we are dissociated parts of us that actually guard those um, they can be spirit children synthetic spirits i mean this is a whole list of things this could be again i'm not going to get into all of these terms right now um but you know again we, we have conferences and stuff and we always do q a and if you're really curious you know that's that's where you get the opportunity to sit down and ask all the questions um what we're doing is where we're just cutting it off and saying, you know, all gatekeepers, any kind of spirit or part or entity that's guarding the uh, the, the, the the portal so that they can be maintained, um, they're going to be bound. And all of the portal access points between me and this person, their inheritance, their realm are going to be discovered. And then we put the blood of Jesus on it. Why? Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. And blood, the cool thing about blood is blood in the natural has this function where it clots. It covers the wound, right? So you, you cut yourself, you bleed for a little bit, then it scabs. So the, the, the blood of Jesus has the same principles, qualities. You put it over a wound in the spirit, an opening, a gap, a hole, it'll scab. It'll seal it off. It creates a seal. And so when you're putting the blood of Jesus over the access points, it's sealing them. And, and furthermore, the Holy Spirit himself is a seal as well. And the Bible says we have been sealed under the day of redemption. So the, the idea that the Holy Spirit can be a seal is like doubly reinforced. Put the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, be the seal. Blood of Jesus, seal me off. So we're discovering the access points. We're sealing them off with the uh, tools and uh, that we have been given with the word of God. And then we are ending functional capacity for the portals by putting them to sleep. Same principle I talked about when we put the Altars are parts of us that are loyal to our human persecutors to sleep. Works, right? And then we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we cut ourselves free. And that's severing the ties. Um, you know, uh, people use the sword of the Spirit to cut soul ties. Well, when the, the bondages have gone much deeper, you still have to sever the ties. This is the part where we do that. We, we cut ourselves free from them, their realm, and, and, and their inheritance. And so... Um, I have found that with the heavenly powers, many times people will be in covenant with them because they are receiving some kind of ability. Maybe they have promises that parts of them on the inside believe will come to pass one day. Or maybe they have very real benefits that are manifesting in the world, like, you know, that they don't want to give up, like uh, abilities to manipulate people's minds to get business deals or other, you know, power that these heavenly princes give them. They're, they're types of counterfeit inheritance. Well, you know, the heavenly powers have a lot of stuff to give because they steal it from us. So that means we also have it. We have inheritance. Um, and and uh, there, there are exchanges that will occur between humans as well. Related to things that we have in the spirit we don't even know about in the natural. But the spirit is really funny. So agreements can be made based on inheritances that have been exchanged. And so we got to sever ourselves from that because it's, it's not of God. And so the, after we discover all the portal access points, bind the gatekeepers, seal the portals, cut them off, and then take the sword of the spirit and cut ourselves free, the next thing we're going to do is return every type of counterfeit inheritance that we've you know been offered or that has been promised to us um, in the spirit uh, or maybe during a ritual in, in some kind of covenant by the human persecutor. Um, and, and this is really, really an important part of the whole getting set free process. So 
we say, I return every form of counterfeit inheritance. Now, the key here is counterfeit, because sometimes that human persecutor can be a parent. And there are both generational blessings and generational cursings. And there are inheritances we're supposed to receive from our parents that is licensed of God. And there are inheritances we're you know, receiving from abusers that are parents that are not licensed of God. And so we want to be sure that we realize, okay, we are actually returning the counterfeit inheritance. Because any genuine inheritance can still come through. So we say, I return every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, power, pride, favor, seed, any other form of counterfeit inheritance in Jesus' name. And um, of course, that list, you know, the Holy Spirit may prompt other specific things depending on the person or what happened to you. And you would just add that to that, you know, um, general list as you're going through it. Um, and the next thing to do is refuse the counterfeit inheritance and say, I receive my inheritance in Jesus Christ. That's where you want your inheritance coming from. You want your inheritance coming from Jesus, what he set aside for you, and what he is giving to you through others that he has put in your life. That's the only inheritance you want coming to you. You do not want counterfeit inheritance. It's, it's not. It only reinforces bondage. So that's why that part of the prayer, very, very important. Um, and then we move on to spirit children. Now, uh, spirit children will need to be renounced specific, particularly where you have spirit husbands and spirit wives. Um, the spirit children are a huge problem that most of the body of Christ is not caught up to. I know that in listening to this, you may be like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm going to stop listening, Dan. I'm just going to kind of tune out because I can't go there with you. I don't care. <laughs> I deal with spirit children every week. I mean, you know, eventually, you know, you just, it's like, yeah, it's just the way it is. Um, how many times do you need to go to McDonald's and order French fries and, and put them in your mouth and feel like, yeah, I'm actually eating French fries before you realize that McDonald's actually does serve French fries? You can only encounter something so many times and maintain a dissociation around it before you're just like, look, I cannot ignore the fact that this is true. You know, how many times do you have to get in your car and drive to work before you realize that you actually do have a car that drives you to work? You're like, well, I'm in the car, I'm driving to work. It must be a car that drives me to work. Like, you know, you, you, I hope you guys understand the logic here. You only can deal with spirit children so many times in a deliverance setting, getting people free in the name of Jesus before you realize, you know, this is actually a real thing. I didn't just do this once. I didn't just do this twice. And I wasn't confused when it happened. I've been dealing with spirit children week after week after week after week and person after person after person after person. And every time there's deliverance after deliverance after deliverance after deliverance, people are getting set free. Spirit children are a problem. Enough said. I'm over it. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit frustrated, but, you know, when you're in my shoes and people accuse you and attack you for all kinds of things all the time, and you're like, yeah, but I'm just trying to get people set free. This is the way it is. You know, it, 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 you just kind of get over it. It's like, whatever. You don't have to believe me. I just believe Jesus. And when you see that God is setting people free and this is how he's doing it, you just say, you know what? I surrender, God. Do what you want. Spirit children, get out. And so we have to deal with spirit children. Now, here's the explanation. Um, human spirits uh, are birthed in the spirit realm. They are birthed because 
I, I say, and, and this is because, you know, I, I, I don't understand it any deeper than this. So this is my current level of understanding. There is a spiritual womb and there is a physical womb. And people will have a spiritual womb and, and a physical womb, particularly women. And um, the way it works is that God is a father of lights and the father of spirits. And we are created in the image of God. And when a person gets pregnant, God gives a spirit. The spirit comes from God. And that spirit travels from heaven to earth and goes into that conception moment where the sperm meets the egg and there is conception. That spirit will abide in the spiritual womb while the egg and sperm merge and there is a uh, physical egg that is, you know, inseminated and then grows into a fetus in the physical womb. They actually will abide together for nine months. And then when the baby is born, the human spirit is born with that physical body into that physical body. And that physical body belongs to that human spirit, which comes from God. And we are a human being. And, and that's the way it's supposed to work. But See, the powers of darkness and doing all this fancy, weird, wacky stuff find ways to impregnate the spiritual womb without getting the physical womb pregnant. Many vanishing pregnancies exist because of this fact. Many women will go through a month or two feeling pregnant and then all of a sudden they're not feeling pregnant. They go through symptoms. They never test positive for actually being physically present. Like, a lot of weirdness is happening about this. And many of you listen to this program may have gone through that yourselves. Well, spirit children are being generated by a lot of things. Um, they, 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 they can be created because of uh, demon-human copulation in the spirit. They can be conceived because of demon principality or power or heavenly being um, types of relationships in the spirit realm, sex. Um, and, and also, when you have spirit husbands and spirit wives, uh, that intercourse in the spirit realm, astral sex, so on, can lead to spirit children. But when spirit children are conceived, they are not licensed or ordained of God. And so they are then used by the powers of darkness, subjugated to the spirit realm and subjugated to the powers of darkness once conceived. And they operate very similarly to just demons. Um, they use them, we've found, to populate other realms. To At times they'll put them in hybrid bodies. Uh, they can perform all kinds of functions and if they are used uh, to persecute the person's life that is their mother or father, they can operate within their system or their heart region as gatekeepers, punishers, internal programmers. Um, they can harass a person's family. They, um, they, they, they're just evil. And, and, and the thing is, is that many people may find it's a very challenging thing to accept until they're actually in the middle of the prayer and they get to the part where they have to renounce their spirit children and suddenly they don't want to because they know they're real and they think, I have a bond with this spirit child though. I can't tell you guys how many times I've run into this. And it's like, this is a deception. God has an inheritance for you that are your physical children that are from him. This is not of God at all. So when we're getting rid of the human persecutors, we want to actually uh, 
do away with all spirit children that were created in the midst of that bondage. Um, same with, with the heavenly powers. We have to do this as well. And so I have the person say, I renounce all spirit children related to so-and-so. I undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. I command their judgment and the purging of the realms they occupy by judgment through living water. It's very, very necessary. And, um, you know, if, if you begin to take other people through this prayer for freedom from human persecutors, say the Lord prompts you to do that. You know, there are people in your community that have bondages you know about. You're like, yeah, I think I heard this guy talk about this freedom from human persecutor prayer. I know this is going to help so-and-so. You take them through this prayer. You watch and see how people respond when you begin to get to the part about the spirit children. And then you can come back and send us a testimony about it and say, you know what? I didn't believe you, Dandoval, until I realized it was true just like you had to. And so anyway, moving on, the next part is that I reclaim every part of me that has been imprisoned by so-and-so or in realms related to them. And, and this is just the reality situation. Um, they... Uh, There is an exchange, right? Parts of Jack will go into Jane during certain events, and parts of Jane will go into Jack. And so we need to get all those parts back that may be exchanged or in some other kind of place that they don't belong because of the bondages inflicted upon a person by uh, Jack. In Ephesians chapter 13, there's a really interesting passage. It says, Wherefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith Ye there hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms and will let the souls go, even the souls that ye hunt to make them fly. Right? So here God is addressing what I would assume are witches. And he's saying, <laughs> you are imprisoning souls and using them. You're making them fly. You're using them. They, they may be being sent out on missions for the person being enslaved to their purposes. Then we see this happening today. Um, there are witch doctors that keep like glass vials in caves uh, where they have fragments of people's souls that they keep, that they've stolen. I mean, it, this is not this is not Ezekiel 13 only. This is the, the reality of the situation. But they can keep parts of people within their own heart realm in, in prisons there or other places. I mean, this is, gets really fancy. I'm not going to get into all the details. But yeah, Ezekiel 13, 20 really does give us um, a, a, a biblical foundation for this fact. Uh, you need to get your parts back that are under the control of those that are your human persecutors. Plain and simple. So moving on, uh, the, the next step is part eight. I release forgiveness by faith to so-and-so for the evil that he has done against me. Now, when I take people to get them set free of heavenly powers, there's no forgiveness involved. They, people don't need to ask forgiveness or give forgiveness to these evil things because they're not human. They're just pure evil. I mean, you don't need to forgive Lucifer for what he did. You need to get free of him and then demand your justice. But with humans, we do need to forgive. We do. Why? Because the Bible says it. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear that if we do not forgive men their trespasses, our Father in heaven will not forgive our trespasses. And in the midst of a prayer like this, there's no way to process through all of the feelings, all of the hurt, all of the shame that we've endured because of what a person has done to us that has been a human persecutor in our lives. If memories begin to surface, they will have to be dealt with and worked through at a later time. So what can we do if we don't have time to fully work through all of the implications of truly walking into freedom of a forgiveness that has been fully materialized uh, regarding what a person's done to us? The answer, we forgive by faith. We're, we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And we can do a lot of things by faith and we can forgive by faith. And if we forgive by faith, God will honor that. We, we, we say the words and we mean it to the very best of our ability. That opens us up to the grace of God for the rest of the process. But in the process of being set free, it's sufficient. So we say, I forgive. I release forgiveness by faith. It may not feel like we mean it. It may not feel like we can fully engage it. But we are doing it out of a state of obedience and a state of surrender to Jesus Christ. And our responsibility as new covenant believers. I release forgiveness by faith for all of the evil they've done against me. Very, very important part of the prayer. Next, I also discover, and this is the part where you blow past the, uh, the backup. It's like a backup program. I also discover every part that is a composite of genetic components held together by a cord that binds. And it's, especially if you've been engaged in high level, high level programming, uh, Luciferian cults. They've taken your parts to other realms and done all kinds of horrible things to them. Mengele 2.0. I mean, it's really bad. And then they put them back inside of you and it reinforces and anchors and bondages to human persecutors, to heavenly powers, demons, whatever. So we are just addressing it right as part of the prayer in point eight. I declare the cords are cut and that each part is separated into its components. So the parts that are Jack and Jane, now the angels are coming. The sword of the spirit is coming down those parts that were cut in half and put together with a cord that binds are now having that cord cut. They're being separated. So Jane's parts are Jane's parts and Jack's parts are Jack's parts. Um, and then we say, I retain my parts and surrender those that do not belong to me. Now the angels are not only able to round up the parts that were independently Jack, that were inside of Jane, they're able to round up all the parts that were once Jack and Jane without having to deal with Jane's parts as their anchor, complicating the freedom. Then the next part, which, you know, I say, I actually put it in brackets in the prayer. You'll see this when you grab it online for free. Uh, it's the part where we appeal to justice. And, you know, getting this far in the prayer may be difficult enough. You may have no desire to appeal to justice for what a person has done to you. This is going to be particularly true when the person that you're praying about is, say, a parent. That's a primary abuser. But you're still coming to grips with the idea that your parent could even be your abuser. You know, it's like these kinds of things can create a great deal of conflict. You may not want justice. So I put it in brackets. I'm like, well, if you don't want justice, you don't have to have it. You don't have to turn them over to God. You could just skip right over this part. But... If you're like, yeah, I'm mad about the fact that I had a programmer or this, you know, warlock in a cult that's been attacking and destroying my life for the past 10 years. 
You turn them over to justice. You say, I appeal to justice according to Galatians 6, 7, which declares that as a man sows, so shall he reap. You already forgave him by faith. You've placed yourself in the seat of righteousness. That's right standing with God. And from that state of right standing with God, you're speaking his word. You're saying, look, he sowed and now it's time for him to reap. That's cosmic law. I declare that your word says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's what God's word says. God said that. And so you say, you know what, God? Vengeance is yours. I turn him over to you, Lord God. That's it. That's what you don't have to take vengeance, but you can demand justice and turn them over to God and say, now God, you deal with them. And then I command your heavenly host to bind every part of so-and-so in me and take him or her where she belongs or he belongs now. So now the angels of the Lord that do this work for Jesus with him and his Holy Spirit will round up all the parts that were independently them or were once part you and them together, you know, and they, they take them where they belong. They're going to take them back to the person. Um, and if you're dealing with someone whose physical body has already died, they're going to take them where the rest of the person is, heaven or hell. And so, um, this is this is why we use the terminology where they belong. Um, point nine says, I now take authority over every evil spirit on the inside of me and around me that has been operating under the authority of so-and-so. Now, the thing with human persecutors is that they can actually have demons under their jurisdiction. So just like, um, you know, uh, Beelzebub may have a bunch of demons under his jurisdiction that are working against a person's life that's in bondage to a heavenly power. Um, the local warlock may have a bunch of demons under his jurisdiction that are operating in against you because of his persecuting position in your life. So you're going to still deal with all the demons that were engaged because of that person's influence at this point. You're going to take authority over them. Every demon, an evil spirit operating under the authority of so-and-so. And you're going to say, I declare you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out of me for judgment. I declare that you are being sent to the abyss for failed assignment. Uh, you can swap out the word abyss and just say where the true Lord Jesus Christ sends you. You just want him out, right? And so after the angels have removed the person, now you're going to remove every demon. This is going to break. I mean, you're going to be free. Now you're free. You're free of the manipulation. You're free of the control. You're free of the... I mean, this is where people that say, you know, Daniel, I use your uh, evening prayer, but I'm still having dreams where I'm having, you know, harassment or rape at times, and it just doesn't seem to stop. Well, if you have a human persecutor that you haven't kicked out, the evening prayer isn't going to be able to cover the fact that they have portal access points into you and they can come in and do these evil things. You see what I'm saying? It, it, so, so sometimes we just have to take our freedom a step further and realize, all right, we're going to have to specifically address some things in order to enjoy the full freedom that Jesus has for us. Again, it comes back to free will. So lastly, and this is point number 10, we're going to destroy the ungodly spiritual objects, right? So we say, I pray every ungodly spiritual object, tattoo, device, label, marker, power source, grid, or branding placed in or around every part of me by so-and-so or those under his or her authority would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. Amen. You know, uh, these are uh, more backup programs. Um, it's not uncommon to find... Um, objects that, you know, because the, the, the heart realm is a realm and there 
you will find objects just like you find in the physical realm. You may find crowns, you may find jewels, you may find um, parts of us that have received a tattoo or some kind of branding that have been given an amulet. But they, they, none of this exists in the physical realm. Or it may have a counterpart in the physical realm, but it exists in the spirit. I, it's, it's, you know, and if this language all sounds very strange to you, that's okay. Um, that's why the prayer is written for you as a resource. You don't have to understand everything I'm saying because I understand. I deal with stuff like this every day. So my perspective um, is going to be colored by that. For you, you just need freedom. That's why this free resource is available to you. Let me tell you again. Why am I doing this conversation? Why am I saying all this stuff? Putting myself out there and, you know, putting information out there that is just not, not... Uh, conventional Christian teaching, so to speak. Because Jesus wants you free. I want you free. We want you to walk out your destiny. And your bondage is inhibiting you from walking out your destiny. And part of your bondage is your entanglement with human persecutors. It's time for the freedom to come. So I'm explaining to you how to be free. I'm putting this free resource out there. It's on our website. I'm putting it in your hand. I'm doing whatever I can do. God's like, Daniel, my people need to be free from their human persecutors. Amen. Yes and amen, Lord Jesus. Let the army of God arise. It's time. You know, I, I put a post up on my Facebook wall. I, I said, I'm calling 2017 the year of kicking the devil's teeth in. Um, I think that the body of Christ needs to come to grips with the idea that God actually wants us kicking the devil's teeth in. That's something that he desires. It's on his heart. He really wants to see that happen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, for we have been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it look like to walk out the victory? Huh. Not like the lives of the majority of Christians I have met. That's not what victory looks like. I'm sorry. You know, some people say, well, why do we need to talk about all this weird stuff, Dan Duvall? I mean, you're really kind of out there. What's so wrong with what we've already been using? Here's what's wrong. The fact that no one's walking in victory. I mean, wh why do people not see that, <laughs> look, <laughs> it hasn't worked. <laughs> so maybe we should move out of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing we've done and expecting a different result. You, you don't just continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect that at some point it should just work. But that's what we apply to our Christian teaching and theology. We just keep teaching the same thing and expecting that it will work one day. Well, Christian can't have a demon. So if you just believe that you are free, you'll be free. It doesn't work. Stop teaching that, please, somebody. Tell these people, stop teaching that. It doesn't work. Not only can you have a demon, you can have human persecutors that are on the inside of you. I explain how the heart is territory and how that's how it manifests. I mean, this, this needs, there needs to be a breaking point. At some point, we need to shatter this matrix and realize God did not give us Christianity to keep us in bondage to legalism and to just ideas that stink. They don't work and they're silly. He gave us freedom in Christ that we are supposed to walk out in to the extent that the world is changed because we happen to be on this planet and we are walking as children of the Most High God. 
What are we missing? <laughs> We're missing freedom from human persecutors. So with that said, I'm done, folks. The, the ball is in your court. Um, of course, there's a, a, probably a, a lot of things I could have gone into deeper, but I mean, I've, I've been here for over an hour and a half. Um, I can't drag this on forever. You've gotten the basics. You've gotten teaching a good amount of you know explanation. And now at BrideMovement.com, you have the prayer. Start using it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are... Who are the human persecutors in my life that you want me free from? And watch the Lord begin to work. And you, you have the tool. Folks, you have the tool. That said, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. And until next time, God bless. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.